Hello and welcome to Queer Media Pills, the podcast bringing queer media to your ears one short pill at a time. My name is Mars, my pronouns are he, him, and I'm your host. Today we're going to talk about a film called The Watermelon Woman from 1996. And I've chosen this film today because it's uh, our last episode throughout UK LGBTQ plus history month. And February is also Black History Month in the US, even though I am UK-based. That's a calendar I usually follow, but I figured I'd bring the two together to talk about a film that really goes deep into queer history, but also black history, and ultimately reflects on queer and black people in cinema. This film, written and directed by Cheryl Dunier, was the first feature film directed by a black lesbian, and it's a landmark in new queer cinema. It features the director herself as a character who's also named Cheryl, and this character is a young black lesbian working at a day job in a video store while trying to make a documentary about a black actress from the 1930s. However, Cheryl really struggles to find anything about this actress and the meta film inside the film becomes a manifesto for the intention of the real life director who is denouncing the erasure of queer black women in cinema. At the start of the film Cheryl only knows this actress she's researching as the watermelon woman and the way she's been credited in these 30s films and her roles systematically fit this racist stereotype called the mammy made famous mostly by Gone with the Wind in their depiction of uh, Hattie McDaniel so usually this trope is an older overweight dark-skinned black woman who is this idealized caregiver who works for a wealthy white family and is happy and deferent towards this white authority which which strongly feeds in a broader stereotype and trend of like racist belief of black people being essentially happy in their enslavement which is a stereotype they still perpetrated today um i'm thinking the first thing i can think of is how metaphorically jk rowling manages to do that with uh, the house helps because that woman never fails to be a bigot whatever whatever type of oppression you're talking about there is one way jk rowling has managed to be wrong about it um yeah <laughs> through this narrative frame of uh, the watermelon woman who, who we later found out was called Faye Richards this film is really an ode to all these black women who have made the history of cinema and the way they've been severely overlooked uh, reduced to these uh, harmful stereotypes and even fully erased from history because uh, Faye Richards is a fictional character there is no watermelon woman but she very much could have been I generally wasn't sure until I looked it up and the point this film is making I think is exactly that while Faye Richards may not have existed she did in the sense that so many women like her were forgotten and left behind in the making of the big movie industry and these uh this white supremacy machine essentially that hollywood is and another point that the film raises very cleverly is the way feminism also leaves black women behind a point that's made quite nicely through the interview of a white scholar and i've looked her up this woman really exists and i don't know if she was being generally interviewed for the documentary or if it's a role she's playing which is i guess part of the point of the film where you don't know what is true and what is fake but essentially this scholar 
attacks the accusations of racism done towards stereotypes like the mummy or like watermelons being associated with black people in a derogatory way so this woman essentially says oh no black people are wrong thinking that's racist Uh, here let me explain why it isn't which is very obviously not something white people get to do about racism in the same way cis people don't get to do about transphobia and so on and it really brings on this point of like the tendency of uh, privileged people to think they know better about a topic than the people who experience it on their skin every day which is also why then Cheryl can't find anything about uh, Faye Richards or the Waterman Woman in any of the books she finds. She goes to a library and all the books only talk about white women when when they do talk about women in film. And then she only ends up finding information about Faye Richards and uh, she manages to actually construct her history when she starts reaching out to community and listening to oral stories about her which is something very important to keep in mind the way when we look up facts and the way things actually are those facts are written by the people who had the platform to write them and uh, usually the people who do have this platform are privileged people which leaves entire communities who are wells of knowledge completely unheard because they don't have the platform, the right platform. And I really think this film gets this point across so efficiently and effectively and it's so deep in touches on issues of intersectionality, touches on issues of... uh, the problems with feminism and the importance of representation on screen and and matters of power dynamics within the industry. It's all so nicely done and I think there's the technical aspect really brings it home as well because this is a low-budget film. There's a lot of shaky camera, there's cheap camera work like um, the tools used, they're they're not Hollywood level, obviously. And there's something really good about this because uh, it really feels like Cheryl, first of all, is taking us on her investigation of discovery. It's so earnest, even though, of course, Faye Richards doesn't actually exist. She, as I said, could have. And it's really taking us on this journey of discovery. But even more so because the fake documentary adds a level of the intention of the director to make as she says in so many words make her own history make an history that was not much not there but like taken away and erased and she's like well then i'll make my own which i think is so powerful and i really really would recommend this film i recommend you watch it i think it's very explicit in its politics but without ever being preachy or on the nose it's just a genuine portrait of an experience that doesn't shy away from a moment from talking about the hard truths of the industry and it comes from a place of both love for cinema and the knowledge that cinema as an industry doesn't love minorities 
back, not yet. And if we wanted to, if we want to create a new cinema, the cinema where all these voices have a space, we need to do it ourselves, roll up our sleeves and make these spaces exist, make history happen and absolutely go check it out. I really don't know. Um, I'm really struggling not to just talk here and hour about it, but no, this is Queer Media Pills. This is what I signed up to do. So I guess this is it for this week and I would love to keep talking about it. So if you're interested, I am on social media at Queer Media Pills, uh, Instagram and Twitter. I'm probably gonna make a website next week. I think that's gonna be the right timeline. So then we can actually have more thorough conversations about these things. Subscribe to this podcast if you want to be reminded when a new episode comes out. It's every Friday, 4 p.m. Be there or catch up later, really. I was gonna say be square, but no. You can listen to this whenever you want. But yeah, new episodes Friday, 4 p.m. Looking forward to next week. And until then, goodbye.